We're going to do Watch Out Part 2. And I'll read a verse from Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1. And then we'll look at other verses. The prophet says, I will stand upon my watch. I will set me upon my tower. And I will watch to see what he will say unto me. And what I shall answer when I am reproved. Let's pray. Father, take your word. Stir your church. Speak to our hearts. Give us fresh vision. Help us to see. Help us to seek. And help us to serve. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for loving us first. Glorify your name, we pray. And Father, we ask you, be glorified through us tonight. And all that is said, in Jesus' name, amen. If you remember last week, the prophet says, I will stand upon my watch. We looked at it last week, I should say. I will set me upon my tower and I will watch to see what he will say unto me and how I shall answer him when I'm reproved. And the word reproved is a word tokaka, and it means when I'm corrected, punished, chastened, or it gives the idea of chastisement, when I'm rebuked, or when I am simply just corrected by his word. And the prophet says, I'm going to stand upon my watch. Now remember the word stand. And it gives the idea to stretch out to view in order to see more clearly. Denise, can you turn me down just a little boom a wee bit up here, dear? Thank you. And it means in order to see more clearly. In other words, they looked out as a watchman looks, they seen further. They were able to see from a vantage point when maybe the enemy was coming or a, f- a friend was coming or someone they were waiting for or a dignitary and they would have looked out and, you know, you'd stretch out to see if you can get a better view of who was coming. And Habakkuk says, I'm going to stand on my watch like that. And I'm going to set me in my place upon my tower like a watchman. And then he says, I will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. We looked at how the Lord could say things that were hard for Habakkuk to take. The Lord may say something that was cutting for Habakkuk to hear. And that's the wonder about the Word of God. It has the power not only to forgive, the power to empower, it has the power to cut right through. So what happens when God's Word strikes deep in our hearts and challenges us? What do we say, Habakkuk? He says, and I will watch to see what I shall answer when I'm reproved, when I'm chastened, or even when I'm corrected. Even if he says, I'm going to rebuke you for something, I will watch to see what he will say unto me. Brothers and sisters, again, just as we're starting this message, and before we go any further, when God's word is preached today, in many places, not in every place now, but in many places, we find that ear-tickling sermons and watered-down gospel enables the hearer to be able to hear what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. And preachers will preach everything the congregation wants to hear 
in order to keep them sitting in their seat, to keep them from ringing his phone, to keep them from stopping him at the door, and they'll preach everything and anything to keep them happy. Now, we like people to be happy. Don't get me wrong. We like people to be joyful. But the Word of God convicts. The Word of God compels. The Word of God convinces. And when God is speaking to you in any service, whether it's here or somewhere else, you should lean in like a watchman and a watchwoman. When you're in prayer and God speaks to you in His Word or speaks to you in in your heart, you need to stretch forth and open your ears and lean in and say, Lord, speak to me. But what if He says something you don't like? And it cuts deep. You know, it's always for your benefit that God will do that. What if he says something in his word here tonight and it offends you? People say, don't bring an offense to us. Don't bring an offense through the gospel. You're just a preach love, 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 love. The word of God is full of offense. It's full of offense. It's full of offense to the sinner who will not repent of their sin because they know that they need to be saved. It's full of offense to the Christian who's living a wrong lifestyle because they know they're living wrong. It's full of offense to those who are bitter against their brother or their sister and have not yet come to them and put it right because they know that the Word of God is chastening them for it. The Word of God is full of offense. And the one who offended more people than anyone would have been the Savior himself. That's why they wanted him dead. That's why they wanted to kill him. He wouldn't preach an ear-tickling sermon. He wouldn't preach something to them to tell them what they wanted to hear. He told them what they needed to hear, and it caused an offense. I mean, don't go out to offend people on purpose. But the Word of God is the Word of God And the Word will do what the Spirit leads it to do. Notice this. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We're looking on watching out. Watch out, brother. Watch out, sister. And while you're looking there, we remember last week we looked at the Garden of Gethsemane and the Lord Jesus was with his disciples there on the night of his betrayal and his arrest. In Matthew 26 and 41, it says, The Lord says, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And we looked at how the enemy was at the gate coming to arrest him. And the Lord, remember everything coming on him, he was falling under the weight of it. He was surrounded and encompassed with grief. He thought he was going to die in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, watch and pray. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Of course, their flesh, they were falling asleep. And we looked at how, brother, sister, be alert. It means to stay awake, to be on your guard. It means to be circumspect and look all around you in your walk. So as Peter even tells us that, that, that to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, roameth about seeking whom he may devour. And that's what, uh, that, this is what the Lord Jesus was saying. He says, your adversary, my adversary, is at the gate of Gethsemane. He's coming across the Brook Kidron, across the Kidron Valley, coming in the gates of Gethsemane. He says, watch and pray, boys. Watch and pray. He says, you'll enter into temptation. Your temptation will be that you will deny me, that you will 
run away from me, that you will leave me. Watch and pray always that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So watch out, brother. Watch out, sister. In 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13, you want to look at one verse. And this is for the church, I feel tonight that this is for all of us, but this is our Christian living, watching out until the Lord returns. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13, the apostle says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Again, the word watch is the same that the Lord Jesus used, and it's the word that means stay awake, be alert. In other words, the enemies of the cross of Christ, the enemies of the word of God, the enemies of all all righteousness and the holiness of life, the enemies of our Father, that is Almighty God. The enemies are all around. The devil will try to destroy many with fear and with intimidation. The devil will try to destroy many with uh, going back into work-related salvation. They'll try and destroy many with the watered-down gospel. Jesus turned water into wine, and men are turning the wine of the gospel into water again. Many will, the devil will try to destroy many with disunity and discord in the church. And Paul says, watch ye stand fast in the faith. Stay awake. Be alert, brother. Do you know in this nation we are living in, we think of what we always call it as evangelical Ulster. Evangelical Ulster is turning into a cesspit. Just yesterday, when the ladies were out uh, at Dublin, at their way to Dublin on their ladies' trip, I took my two guards down to the Belfast city centre, and there were the gospel preachers usually stand and preach. There was a big long table with all leaflets and flowers with rainbow colored flags asking us all to sign up for, to, to legalize gay marriage in Ulster, Northern Ireland, where the gospels preached every week right in the exact same spot. Of course they come and we just walk past them. No. We have men saying good is bad and bad is good, right is wrong and wrong is right. They're saying darkness is light and light is darkness. We have men who are unrepentant, unashamed in their face, sitting in government who murdered our kith and kin. We have men and women there who planted bombs and shot guns and and murdered people in cold blood, and yet they seemingly seem as if they're getting away with it. They're in charge of many of the, the things of our government. Yet when a Christian, when a Christian who loves the Lord, when a Christian who would never dream of, of hurting someone in deliberate, with a deliberate action, with a premeditated action, yet a Christian who stands and says that they love the Lord Jesus Christ, the Christian, they are the ones who are intolerable. They're the ones who are wrong. They're the ones who are vile. 
The pedophile gets a slap on the wrist in a few years in jail and out early released to go and live beside children's play parks again. Should put them down. Capital punishment for it. The word of God says that capital punishment is not murder. Murder is when a man and a woman kills in cold blood. Capital punishment is not murder. It's putting them to death and taking away the evil. How many children have been destroyed? Just this week, the Roman Catholic Church have said they didn't know it was wrong to be a pedophile. Have you ever heard a leg of it in your life? This is what we are living in today. The nations are going mad all around us. We have Islam on the streets, cutting themselves, shedding their blood, filling the streets, calling on Allah. They're taking over churches. They're pulling them down. They're doing all sorts of things in our land. And yet we sit at ease in Zion. You can't get the Christian to church. Oh, I have something to tell them. In such a darkened age as this, they won't get away with it. The God that we serve is the great avenger. They'll stand before his throne. I want to tell you something. If you're saved, you have a lot to give thanks for. Our schools, primary schools, Secondary schools, our colleges, and our universities have become almost godless, every one of them. Even to the point now, they're now doing spiritual games. Not games by the way they play. They think they're games. The children are being petrified over demonic spirits in their schools. Teachers are feeling helpless at this. And people are sitting back and even some of, their, some of their parents are practicing it with them. What sort of a nation have we, have we left? Are we leaving for our children? Brother, what about your children? What about mine? What about our little ones? What sort of a nation are we, are we leaving? Should we not be standing up? Should we not be at City Hall? Should we not be walking around the front? Should we not have, as they have gay pride, should we not have Christian pride? Pride in Christ? Should we not have it and stand as an army of Jesus Christ? But sure we'll call for unity and prayer. And a dozen or so will turn up. Watch ye. Brother, sister, persecution is coming to this land. You, you, you be ready. Persecution is coming to this land. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Persecution will come and we must be ready. I have something to tell you. Let it come because you know what that means? Somebody else is coming. The Lord is coming. Pastor, are you afraid? No, I'm not. Not afraid one bit. You turn on your radio broadcast if you listen to them. 
Christians are hammered. Gay agenda is elevated. Turn on their news broadcasts or your TV programs or whatever you watch. That's everywhere. Do you know what they're doing with your children? Do you know what they're doing with you, brother? You're doing with me. If we watch that enough, they are normalizing homosexuality. They are normalizing lesbianism. They are normalizing sin. They are normalizing the sins of this world. They're normalizing false gods being brought into our land. They're normalizing mosques going up. And if you and I stand against it, then you and I are unnatural. We are the ones who are not normal. Watch out, brother. Watch out, sister. And every program you watch, it normalizes all the sin that the Bible says should not be happening in this nation of ours. Is it any wonder Britain isn't great anymore? Watch ye stand fast in the faith. That's what Paul says to the Corinthian church. That's what we here tonight should be doing, standing fast in the faith. See the term stand fast? It's the word steko. And it means keep standing firm. But if I stand firm, nobody will talk to me. If I stand firm, everyone will think I'm just a fundamentalist. Good! We need a few more fundamentalists in this land now. We need a few more. Stand firm, keep standing firm. It means don't give in and don't give up. Keep in your faith. Keep standing for Christ. No matter where you are, be the salt. Salt, uh, it stems putrefaction of the meat. There are no fridges then. Jesus says, ye are the salt of the world. You're light. Salt will stem putrefaction and light will lead the way. Light shows up in the dark place. Notice this. It means keep standing firm. When Habakkuk said, I will stand upon my watch. It's the word amad in Hebrew, and it means to be in a standing attitude. <laughs> it's about time the Christian church got a bit of an attitude, a godly attitude, a spirit-filled attitude, a Christ-like attitude, unafraid to take the cat of nine tails and whip out those who are, who are ungodly in the house of God. Unafraid to say to those who stood against some of the Jewish church leaders, ye are a brood of vipers. You're off your father, the devil. You say that now out there, sure, they'd shut the doors and even the church wouldn't support you anymore. You'd lose your friends. Isn't that true? Your friends won't lie. That guy in Donnacloney's a bit of a nut. Brothers and sisters, from I got saved, from where I got saved from, I don't care. It means here to be in a stand to be in a standing attitude and to present oneself before him. See when you're in work and you're going to take a stand and you 
have the lump in your throat and your heart starts to race and you go, just remember, you're taking a standing attitude for Christ, but you're presenting yourself, not before those in front of you, or not before the governor, or not before this one or that one or the other one. You're standing and presenting yourself before him. Answer to him. We ought to obey God rather than men, they said. Answer to him. Old Elijah, we're on him this morning a bit, and he goes in to the palace where King Ahab's there. King Ahab would, would have loved to have seen the end of Elijah. He was a thorn in his flesh, as it were. And he comes up to Ahab, and Elijah says, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand. You know what he says? You're right in front of me, and God's invisible. He's more real to me than you are, and I'm taking my stand before him. Notice this. Watch ye stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men, be strong. It means, brother, time to put the treasures on. Be a man. Brother, quit you like men, it means, here, come on, be a hero. Be your children's hero. I pray, should the Lord tarry and the Lord spare me and my children get up and I'm away on, I pray they'll testify sometime and say, you know, my dad, he was a bit of a header. But I can tell you one thing. He showed me Christ. He taught me Christ. He was my hero. Notice this. Quit you like men and be strong. Many of us tend to think that if we are Christian or if we stand for the gospel, that we're whimsical, that we're wishy-washy, sort of um, mommy's boys, you know, because we're Christian. I want to tell you something. I'm coming from a man who was in the world for a lot of years, and being a man of the word for a lot of years, I didn't become a man until I met Christ. I mean, a real man loves his wife. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That's a tall order, husband. Want me to tell you what the next one is, ladies? Obey your husbands. <laughs> you're brave I have to give it to you you're brave <laughs> oh, stupid <laughs> listen men love their children men put their family first after Christ not even the church their family first Men support and supply for their wife and children. Be a man. Love him. And serve your family. I didn't say rule your family. Yes, you can rule them in the spiritual sense. 
It means serve them with your love. Serve them with all you have. Love them. Be firm. Be strong. Be a man. And in saying that, I'm afraid to touch the women because I have one to go home to as well. Have a good one. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit ye like men, be strong. Stay awake, be alert for in these days, in these godless hours in which we live before the coming of Christ. Christ is looking for men and women of faith. Did you hear that? Christ is looking for men and women of faith. Now you can have faith. Notice, uh, sometimes we, we wonder about these things because Whenever we, we hear all the time, and it's from Luke 18 and 8, the Lord Jesus says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. He's going to find a lot of faith on the earth. All different faiths will be on the earth. But faith in whom? And faith in what? Faith in whom? And faith in what? Luke 18 and 8, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Notice what Revelation chapter 14 and verse 12 says. And this is uh, the last mention of faith. Here is the patience of the saints. Revelation 14 and 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God Here's the faith and the faith of Jesus Christ. They keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. I have something to tell you. We're almost told the commandments are done away with. Not according to the word of God, they're not. The word here, here is the patience of the saints in Revelation 14 and 12 is the word hopomane. And it means a man who has not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even his greatest trials and sufferings. Brothers, see when your back's against the wall. Sisters, see when your back's against the wall. See whenever the rubber's hitting the road and you, and you can smell it burning deeply and you're going, this is, this is a rotten place to be in. Just even as we talked about this morning and your water's filling your boat, see whenever you don't know what way to go and what way to turn and how you're going to get out of this situation and see when all hell itself is forced against you. Watch ye, stand firm in your faith. Be strong. Be strong in the faith of Christ. Notice this. The word Patience, let me read it again, is a man who has not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even his greatest trials and sufferings. It means their steadfastness shows, their constancy shows, their endurance shows, their patience and waiting for Christ shows, and even in their trial, they're patient through it. So this is what it reads in Revelation 14 and 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Notice this. Whenever we look at the faith of Jesus here, it's not your faith, it's his faith. 
Paul says in Galatians 2 and 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, my faith, there's all sorts of faith. You have faith even you don't realize it when you get on a bus to go to town. You just believe he's going to get you there. But faith in Christ will be tried and faith in Christ will be tested and faith in Christ, well, you'll go through troubled waters and Paul says, watch and stand fast and in this day and age and this nation of ours, we're going to go through more troubled waters. In Jude's little epistle, one little chapter, verse three, notice what it says about faith. That we should be earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Earnestly contend for the saints, or for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. What do you mean, Jude? Do you see the saints that went before, even the Old Testament saints? Do you see the saints that came right through and left a legacy of faith right through? He says, you want to contend for that? What about Daniel in the lion's den? What about the three Hebrew children in the fire? What about the battles of Israel when they had to trust God? He says in verse 20 of his little epistle, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. We need to be praying in the Holy Ghost. So Paul says, watch ye stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. Turn with me to the Galatians. Here's another one for you. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 1. Stand fast. Stand fast in the faith. Now stand fast therefore in the liberty where Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. See the word here for the liberty where Christ has made us free and us. Strange how uh, the group had picked that song, Freedom Reigns in This Place, Showers of Mercy and Grace. The word liberty actually means freedom. And the apostle was writing because people were going back to works-related salvation, although it doesn't exist. They were going back to Judaism. They were going back to their old style of worship. They were going back even to all the worship that can never, ever attain them heaven. They were going back to putting on their vestments, and they were going back to doing all their rituals. And Paul says, whoa, Christ has stripped you from all of this. Christ has died for you and has torn the veil of the temple from the top to the bottom that you would have the liberty to enter into his presence. You see, If you want to look down to verse 13, 
Look at verse 13. Notice what it says here. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only we, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. The word liberty here is the same. It means a freedom. And what you had was, at the time, there was a, a, a monumented servant. In other words, when someone was going to be set free under certain conditions. What I mean is their freedom was full, their freedom was total, but they were going to maybe be serving in the temple of worship. They were going to be serving in the heathen temples in, in Greece or wherever. And what happened was their, their, their master came and paid a price into the temple for the freedom. And they became what's known as a monumented slave. And they had a document written that this slave is completely free. And this slave is bought by God. That was the idea of a small g there. This slave was bought by God. So this slave cannot be brought into bondage because he belongs to God. And they're set free. And they served in the temple or wherever because they were free to do so. Paul is taking this and he's saying to you, some of us think we get so far in God and we have to start doing some sort of works. And Paul is saying, Christ has set you free. Then be free indeed. Free from your sin. Walk in the freedom. Walk in that which Christ has given to you. The word means he also gives us free access into his presence. A free access. In Exodus 34, you can mark it down and read it when you go home. And especially around about the end of the chapter, verses 34, 35. In Exodus chapter 34, we know a story where Moses goes up the mountain, he talks to God, and as he's talking with the Lord and communing with him, he comes down and the skin of his face shines. Moses wished not that the skin of his face shone, and he puts a veil around his face when he's speaking to the people. But we're told at the end of the chapter that when Moses turns and walks into the tabernacle, back into where God's presence was then in the wilderness, he takes off the veil and he's face to face with God again. There's nothing to stop him. Like the veil in the temple that was rent in two. This is the same liberty. You're set free. There's nothing can stop you going into his presence. We're not going through a, 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 a prelate and we're not going through a priest and we're not going through some sort of ritual. We're not going through a pastor or a minister. We're not going through anyone else. We're not going through saints. We're not going through Mary. We are going straight to the throne of grace. And when the Spirit of the Lord comes into a meeting and we are so conscious of his tangible presence, you know what that means? He's saying, here I am. Do you want to come in now? Do you want to come in? There's freedom here. We are free to come. Of course, that's why we were actually singing this scripture only. It's in 2 Corinthians 3 and 17. Now, the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's freedom. Good choice, whoever chose it. Is that you? First Thessalonians chapter 5, please. Watch ye stand fast in the faith. We are then, secondly, to stand fast in the liberty that Christ has given us. First Thessalonians chapter 
5. Let's read verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1. But of the times and seasons, brethren, we have no need that I should write unto you for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For they shall say, Peace and safety then, sudden destruction cometh upon them as a man, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye, ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain mercy, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. We're to stand fast, we're to watch out. We're to watch and be sober here. Watch and be sober. The faith when Christ comes back is the faith of Christ living in his believers. We're to watch and be sober. The word sober here gives the idea of someone who knows the proper value of something. That's what it means. Someone who knows the proper value of something. A person who lives for the moment and for this world isn't a sober person. Ah. Do you see the ones who are living for their own pleasure, their name in Christ? Do you see the ones who are heaping treasure to themselves and not in heaven? They're not sober. Do you see the ones who are through other with the things of God? Do you see the ones who can give or take the things of God? Do you see the ones who are more interested in their houses and their lands and their cars and not the things of God? They're not sober. They're drunken with it. Some Christians and they strain at the knot to try and get a little further ahead in this world. Nothing wrong with getting ahead. But at the expense of Christ, there are those and they work every shift under the sun and even all day for overtime on the Lord's day. They're not sober. They're not sober. Or some Christians. And they're so tight, if they find a plaster, they'd cut themselves. <laughs> Not true. So engrossed with the things of this world. The here and now. Told you before. See my dog? He's called Harley. I should have called him Esau. And I say to Allison all the time, I put Esau out. I call him that to Allison all the time. He's this big, soft bed. He's got like a, it's fenced off in the garage. It's nice and comfy and cozy for him. And on the coldest winter mornings, and you open there, and maybe snow outside or lush and rain, and he's got his big box out there, and you say, 
okay, time to go out, heartache. And he rolls over like this. He's like, oh, I know you're joking. And I come up with a couple of wee dog biscuits and open the gate and I go, and he springs to his feet. And he's, and he's round, he's outside before the biscuits even get there. And he turns around and he's looking at me and I throw them out. And I close the door and I say, all that for two wee biscuits. Add a dollar stead in my comfy bed. Esau sold his birthright for a pot of lentil soup. There's many Christians that are selling their birthright for the things of this world. You know why? I like those biscuits. I like those biscuits. I don't care if it's raining outside. At least I'm getting the biscuit. Then in two seconds later, the biscuit is gone. And you know what happens? The door's closed. And you're out in the snow. And you're out in the cold. And you're out in the wind. And you've lost your comforts. You know, hey, hold on a minute. What he saw. How many Christians are not sober and are asleep? So many Christians in their sport is their God. Nothing wrong with sport. Don't mean anything wrong with it. It's their God. I think I'm talking to some people, aren't I? We have lost our circumspect view of Christ. We have lost our passion for the gospel. We have lost our enthusiasm for the kingdom of God. We have lost our first love for Jesus. Burning in our breath. His word is like a fire shut up in my bones, said the prophet. When Hybert writes on this term to watch out for the not sleep and not to do as others do, but let us watch and be sober. The term for sleep here, he says, it covers all sorts of moral and spiritual laxity and insensibility. They become intoxicated with everything but Christ. Brother, what has intoxicated you recently? Sister, what have you come under the influence of and intoxicated with? I think it's time we started to get drunk in new wine. The wine of the Spirit. Peter says in the day of Pentecost, these men be not drunk, as you suppose, because they were filled with the Holy Ghost. I'd love to see John Knox raised from the dead and brought into Ulster. I reckon he'd preach to himself every week. In Revelation 16 and 15, 
The Lord says, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Notice, watch out. Blessed is he that watches out and keepeth his garments. In other words, he who's listening to the Spirit, he who's walking in the Spirit, he whose garments are kept. In other words, he and she who are serving the Lord, he and she who are loving him, who are sober at his coming and not asleep but awake. Blessed. Oh, the blessedness. That's where it reads. Oh, the blessedness of these people. The blessedness of these ones. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and see his shame. So I finish. Watch out for Christ is coming, brothers and sisters. There's one other watch out. If I just mention it briefly to you, Philippians 1 and 27 says, Stand fast in one spirit and with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. The idea is, look, this is what you have to do. Watch out and make sure you do it. Watch out, church. Stay in unity. See, once the church has a discord zone, it's hard to wait it out. Once a heart has discord sown, it's hard to get it out. Take it and get rid of it. It was at the day of Pentecost, they were all in one place with one accord and the Spirit came. Acts chapter 4, verses 31 and 32 says, that all man had all things common and they gave all they had one to another. They were all in the unity and the Lord was blessing them with miracles, signs and wonder. Psalm 133 says, How good, how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Notice this, for there the Lord commandeth the blessing. Stand fast in unity. Watch for it. Philippians 4 and 1, Stand fast in the Lord, Paul says. So this is what I say as closing remarks. Paul says, stand fast in the Lord. There is only one person and one place where we can stand, and it's in him. When trials and sickness and death and judgment or anything else comes, we must be found standing fast in the Lord. Listen to the prayer of St. Patrick. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ on my right hand. Christ on my left. Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in the eye, and every eye that sees, sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. Watch out for Christ is coming. Be alert, be awake, be aware, understand and know the value of things at this time. Get our priorities right and not be lulled into a sleep by this world system and by the pleasures of the moment at the expense of Christ as crown in his kingdom. Watch out, brothers and sisters, because the devil would lull you into a false sense of security. And before you know it, you're so far away, you don't even know your own self.
God bless his word to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. If I knew Adam would have stayed home, possibly, coming here all that. <laughs> Do you see me whenever I used to go and hear my pastor preach words like this, challenging me? They were the best ones. I used to go home and say, right, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm going to have to fix this. I'm going to have to do something about it. They were the best ones. I'm going to ask the team to come up.